Welcome, everyone. Uh, today, our guest is Chris Balsley. Uh, Chris is a very good friend. Actually, I tend to have fr- good friends on the show, but Chris is a very good friend. And I've known you since 2009. Yeah, 2009. Wow. 24 years? Or 14 years. 14 years. I'm going to do a decade on that. <laughs> so I've known Chris for a long time. He actually lives in Colorado. Chris is joining us in the studio live. And today we're going to be talking about the body. Because Chris, Chris's background is he is a coach. He's also a psychologist, a somatic expert. For those of you who are new to this, somatic refers to the body. Um, He's also a military vet, uh, an author. He's also one of the faculty of the Newfield uh, Coach Training Program. Um, And he's a parent to two beautiful young ladies. All right. So welcome. I'm so excited about today's topic. So for those of you who are familiar, this will be a review. For those of you who are new to this, the ontological exploration, which is what we 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 are uh, talking about in these podcasts, it refers to the domains of body, emotions, and language. Um, if we refer to leadership, a lot of the times we focus on language and emotions. However, the truth is when it comes to the body, when someone walks into a room, before they even open their mouth, there's already a message that's being communicated in a million different directions, right? So we're going to do an introduction to the somatic work. Um, So let's start, well, welcome. Thank you. Um, Let's start with body shape, right? So that's one of the things that someone walks into a room, I see their shape, right? So... Let's be first clear that body shape doesn't mean tall, skinny, fat, short. It means how you form. Are you contracted? Are you tall? Are you slouched? Are you facing the person you're speaking to? Are you looking away from them? So the the concept of embodiment is being aware as someone who's delivering a message, what message you're delivering and how it lands. So if I want to tell you that I'm really excited to be here and I put my hand on the table and I kind of slaps like this and I go, I'm really excited to be here, I'm affecting you. But <laughs> yeah. if I go, wow, this is really great and I'm vertical and I'm leaning in towards you, I have a different impact. And so to me, embodiment as a leader is being aware of the impact that your body has. Yeah, you know, you know what's really interesting is... Um, uh, we're talking about the body like it's one one thing. But right. the truth is, when you walk in, you walk in with emotions. You walk in with, we're talking about language, eventually when you start speaking, and they all show up together. Yeah. Right? Um, but the optics is what I see is the body. And a lot of what we talk about with other coaches is also this patterning. And sometimes leaders, if we talk about leaders, but in general, human beings, we tend to have our patterns, right, of the body shape that we carry. Yes. Yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? So when you walk in a room, like you said, you're already having impact. If you do a cardboard cutout of someone's form, their body shape, you can tell if they're a leader or not just by looking at the at the shape. And what do you, what do you, what? indicates leader if you were to break it down to it a depends distinction. On, it depends on the situation because leading at home, so you can lead anywhere. In fact, I think really we lead all the time. You're leading at work, you're leading at home, you're leading when you play. Um, 
And so it depends on the impact you want to have. If I want to lead you into relaxing, I better not be uptight. If I want to lead you into being inspired, I better not be tired. So I want to be able to be sure that what I want you to experience is what I have inside of me. And that's really part of how we view leadership. It's the ability to deliver a message that lands and gives you the results that you want. And to me, it's all about the body and leadership. Mm. So you've worked, you're, you're a coach and and um, you've worked with lots of leaders. What are some of the patterns or some of the things that you notice is a, is a recurring theme around the body when you work with leaders? So there was a style of leadership that worked in the last 30 or 40 years, um, which is command and control, tell people what to do. And usually that embodies a certain amount of tension in your body. And one of the things about somatics is the amount of tension in your body tells people how much they can trust you or not. And in today's day and age, we have so much change happening. Um, we call it either a VUCA world, volatile, uncertain, chaotic, and ambiguous, or BANI, which is brittle, anxious, I uh, forget what the other ones are, but um, that leadership style doesn't work. Uh, we can no longer see ourselves as telling people what to do, but inspiring people to do the work we do and to the quality that we do. And we have to get people to step up, and we do that by embodying our message. And so telling people what to do works sometimes. The problem is if you tell somebody what to do and it works, the next time they have a problem, they're coming right to you going, you solved my last problem, solve this one. And there's no empowerment there. There's dependency. And embodiment and leadership to me is about creating uh, people that are empowered to go do what they need to do. Like they, they leave that session saying, oh, I did that all by myself. When in truth, using your breathing, your body shape, your form, and the amount of tension in your body, you actually were the lead, but they walk away feeling like they did it. Right. So if for the viewers uh, or listeners out there, if you're listening to this and um, you're going, gosh, that's me. I tell people what to do all the time. Yeah. Uh, and Chris is offering uh, the, the link between a, a, a body, a mm -hmm. tense body, so or a expanded, relaxed body, right? Is there a practice that someone who wants to work on this can do? Yeah. And if we keep it really simple, the beginning is awareness. Because if you're not aware of, am I tight or am I relaxed? You can't change it. So the first step is to focus inward. And when we focus inward, we become what we call interoreceptive, which means I'm focused inside. The style of leadership that I spoke about before is exteroreceptive. The problem is out there. They're doing the problem. My team's not right. They're not doing it right. And when we get interoreceptive, we go, oh, I'm uptight. I'm repeating my words. I'm shouting. I'm doing these things. And as soon as we're aware of it, the change begins to happen. So you ask for a practice. The practice is being aware of your impact and what your body message is. And that's really, I think, the biggest part of it. Um, there are millions of practices. You know, there's meditation practices, yoga practices, play practices. But in the end, if you're not aware, you can't change. And the truth is, at the deep level, awareness creates the change. Mm, mm. Um, what's occurring to me also is uh, with awareness. So, for example, if I notice that I'm tight, the the words that come out of my mouth is coming out of a tight body, mm -hmm. right? 
Um, if I then take a breath, slow things down, and then I notice my muscles start to relax, the same words sound different from a different, different body. Impact. Yes. And so that's another um, interesting uh, experiment that people can do. What do the same words sound like when I'm really tight? And then the same words coming out of a different mm -hmm. expanded body. And, and there's no right way to do it. Yeah. So if, if people in the audience are going, oh, if I just remember this one trick, everything will work. Right. Um, it depends on the impact we want to have. And so um, I'm very interested in what you have to say. It has different impact than, hi, I'm, I'm really interested in what you have to say. As you said, the vocal chamber, our, our, our larynx, our pharynx, our vocal cords are affected by how much tension's in our body. And people know immediately through your language and your breathing, and and they can tell how much tension's in your body. And that literally tells them how much they can trust you. People that think they're in control generally use contracted muscles to be in control. But when we relax, we have different impact, if that's the impact you want. Mm -hmm. If there's a burning building, I'm not going to be saying, hey, folks, why don't you <laughs> yeah. like, jump out of your chair? Yeah, I'm going to be tight. I'm going to go, now, move, get out, now. Right. And I'm going to use that as a tool. But if I'm trying to empower somebody or connect with my children or have an evening with my wife, right. I don't want to do, cook my dinner now, yeah. go to bed now, do these things now. It it has a different impact. So awareness. Yeah, awareness also, also then leads to range, right? What I can access. Yeah. And that I'm not uh, living by default. Yes. I'm actually creating the impact, the different impacts that I want to create in my life. And one of the patterns I see in leaders is we start bringing in this concept of tension and contraction and and control, overt control about what we want. And they go, well, fine. So you want me to be relaxed and limp like a noodle all the time? And we call that the pendulum. They go from this thinking to the other thinking. And it's not. It's range, like you said. Mm -hmm. Do you want to have the ability to control and to drive and to light a fire under people when it's needed and to calm people down when they're not regulated and when they're making the same mistakes over and over again. You want to be able to say, hey, it's okay. Take a breath. And what it does is that slowing down awareness turns on your brain. I used interoreception. When we are focused inward, that intero part, our brain turns on. We have full capacity. But when we're exteroreceptive, when we're looking outside, we can only blame, we can only focus on the problem, and we don't have a wide field of vision, metaphorically and actually. I mean, no power. Because my power is all outside of myself versus it's inside of me, and I can make some shifts, whether it's somatic shift or linguistic or a mood. Yes. Right? Or an attitude. I, I would use the word force. So one of them is mm. forcing. And I think power is when we can get our message to land. And if I know, pardon me, I know how to do that, I can be contracted at the right time, but I can be relaxed at the same time. To me, that's power. Yeah. But force is a different word. And many people confuse force with power. Mm. So let me throw in a word here, play. Yes. Right? So certainly for me, when I work with my clients, playfulness um, is not necessarily readily available. So talk to me about when you work with leaders, what is the role of play and what is the body of play? The first thing I usually lead with 
is we don't quit playing because we grow old. We grow old because we quit playing. And when we can choose to play, there's magic that happens. If I run a workshop, the first thing we do is we play a game. People walk in, they don't sit in chairs, they don't introduce each other, they play. And they start laughing. And I'm at that moment like a farmer tilling a field. I'm not going to deliver a message until eyebrows are up, until smiles and laughter are there. Uh, we talk about psychological safety. Psychological safety is smiles, laughter, and play. And when we have those components, the mind is a vacuum. Whatever you put in front of it sucks it up into long-term memory. Why do we play? Because when people get curious and they're happy and they're joyful, we bypass the need to repeat things over and over again to learn them, and we can learn them in one cycle. So I'm dead serious about play <laughs> because it really lands the message, right? Yeah. You know, whatever you say after people start laughing, they'll never forget. Wow. What? Well, let, let, let's backtrack a bit. What is the definition of play? So I hear what you do. I have my definition. How would you define it? That's a really good question. I think it rests in the domain of an activity that serves absolutely no purpose. Yeah, that fun. that's mine yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, just to um, speak to the viewers or listeners is what is the role of play for you? Where do you give yourself permission to play or not play? Or where did you used to play that you've forgotten? Right now that you pause and go, huh, actually. And what could be possible if you reinvited that into your life again? And how could it impact some of the more serious parts of your life? So I'm going to simplify that. Sure. Um, what's the impact of your level of play in your life? Yeah. Right. Do you play a lot? If so, what's the impact? Do you forget play because you're too serious? If so, what's the impact? What's the impact? Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, you know, we're we're talking um uh about the body and the body is so rich, right? There's shape. We started with shape. Um there's voice, there's speed. There's the amount of space I allow myself to take up. There's um so many domains. If there was one thing that you wanted the viewers <laughs> to I know, right? <laughs> yeah. If there was one thing or 99 no not 99 one thing that you'd want the the viewers or listeners to leave with what would that be when it comes to the body i'm gonna complicate it a little bit and okay. i'm gonna simplify it okay so we as humans are emotional beings our emotions are based on our body chemistry if i have high adrenaline and high cortisol i'm one way if i have low cortisol and high oxytocin i'm another way these are reflected in our brainwave patterns our brainwaves affect other people. And I'm not going to go into the neuroscience now, but let's look at it simply is, if you put two happy people together, what happens? Happy. If you put two depressed people together? Depressed. So our moods and our brainwave patterns and our body chemistry are all the same thing. It's just different words. A neurologist looks at your brainwave patterns. A psychiatrist looks at your body chemistry. And a coach or therapist looks at your moods. But they're all the same thing. And they're contagious. So when I understand that, I need to have inside of me what I want my clients to end up feeling. Because my mood, body chemistry, 
and brainwave patterns are contagious. Okay, so what can the viewers, what do you want the viewers or the listeners to take away as a practice? Or is there anything around us that they can start to become more aware of? Be the answer that you want to see in the world. Ah, okay. right. If you if you want your people to get inspired, you don't want to be talking slow. Right. If you want them to calm down, you better not be going, come on, you guys, calm down now. <laughs> yeah. You, we want to be the message. Yeah. And so when you type into a search bar, nonverbal communication, you'll get between 75 and 93% of our communication is nonverbal. What that means is, the word choice can be as little as valued at as little as 7% of our communication. Words don't matter. This matters. The body matters. And when we realize that, we can begin to create change in a far more rapid and sustainable way because we're not telling people what to do. We're role modeling and we're um, embodying the message, which is a whole different level of leadership rather than telling. Right. Yeah, this is a really powerful domain. Thank you for that. And Chris, we've been doing a lot of conversation talking yeah. about the body. Chris has a channel yes. on YouTube. Do, do you want to tell us about that? Because that's where you guys will be able to find Chris in action, actually moving his body and actually uh, showing showing demoing, demoing yeah. some of the um, distinctions we're talking about. Go ahead. So the beginning is a book I wrote. It's called Stop Controlling, Start Leading. And I got tired of saying the same things over to every new coaching client that came in. Okay, here's the neuroscience behind it. This is what contagion means. This is why moods are contagious. And I created a book. And then from that, I heard people say, well, that's nice, but I can't afford a good coach. I can't afford you. And so I created a channel and it's called High Impact Relationships and it's on YouTube. And these are videos that are really potent, direct to the point. Um, tools that you can use, things that you can go learn, and they're free. I mean, I believe deeply that we need to get these messages out there. I see incompetent leadership everywhere I go, forceful, um, high turnover rate, burnout, companies unhappy, people unhappy, and I want to be a force to change that. And so the book and the YouTube channel is a tool for that. So it's a, it's a way that I can put these messages out to people who um, might need them really badly without having to try to afford a coach or a trainer or a therapist. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Chris, for joining yeah. us today. You bet. On such a rich topic. Thank you, everyone. 